Good morning. My name is Pastor Ben Zing. I'm the pastor of evangelism and community here at Central, and it is an amazing privilege to be able to share God's word with us this morning. We're going to be opening up our, our Bibles here into Hebrews 11:22, and if you want to put your finger there, also into Genesis 50. In your pew Bible, that would be page 1008 as well as page 44. And as you turn to that, uh, we've been going over our series here through the summer on Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. And we've heard from different speakers over the past few weeks on faith, which God has really helped us see what living by faith means. My children have also taken interesting angles on this topic as they have taken to drawing here and made many different illustrations by what it means to live by faith with this man. We've seen this man walking in the sky, which symbolizes walking by faith and trusting God. But my kids have turned it into jumping out of an airplane or dunking a basketball or jumping off a high dive. But I love their creativity because it makes me really think again, how are ways that we are applying what it means to live by faith? And what does that actually even mean? Last week, Professor Yarbrough actually set us up really well for this week as he described faith through the lens of Isaac, Esau, and Jacob and the power of promise. These characters that are described in Hebrews 11 were commended in having faith, but they didn't receive what was promised. Faith is a future orientation that clings to what the Bible teaches, what God will do even when we do not see evidence of that in our place and time. All the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 are favored by God, but none of them see the fulfillment of the promise of Christ. What they did receive in this, the chance to draw close to God through trusting his promise and entrusting their lives into his hands. They could let their lives be used for the sake of other people and God's longer view plans. They could live and die for God's glory, not personal success and glory in this life. God's promise draws us into relationship with him. So again, this leads us again to the main point we will see here in Hebrews eleven twenty-two, in the life of, a life of Joseph. Faith believes God for the future. So let's read together here in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, verse 22. It says this, By faith, Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So we'll pick it up here in Genesis 50, and we're going to start actually in verse 19. The, the, the context of this is Joseph's brothers, after Jacob passing away, come to him in Egypt and are really kind of asking Joseph for forgiveness and asking him to let them live in Egypt. In verse 19, but Joseph said to them, do not fear for I am in the place, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I'll provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
I was reading a commentary on this passage and it asked the following question. On which do you worry more about, the past or the future? It seems true that we worry more about the future, correct? Because we don't really worry about the past. We can be pained or regret or be bothered by the past, but we don't really worry about the past. Worry seems to be oriented towards the future. So someone once said that about the future, we should all be concerned about the future because we will have to spend the rest of our lives there. So we should be concerned for the future. We should plan for the future. But as Christians, we shouldn't worry about the future as we know it is in God's hands and we can trust in his promises. We see here in Joseph is doing just that in trusting God's promise in Hebrews 11:22 and his instructions at the end of his life here in Genesis 50. Joseph's story could have pointed to many elements of faith by living by faith through his life. He demonstrated strong faith in many instances throughout his lifetime. If you aren't familiar with Joseph's story, this would be a great week to read it in Genesis 37 to 50 and see his journey. As Joseph held on to the truth that faith is trusting God for the future, it was all in this context. The context of knowing that God was working out good what the world intended so much evil and harm to him. So in Genesis 50, we see again, as you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This is a lesson Joseph learned and held on to his whole life. Joseph held on to the dream that God gave him as a young child and trusted them to faith. He was sold into slavery and brought to a foreign land where he, was, he resisted the seductive attempts of Potiphar's wife. He remained true to God when imprisoned unjustly. His faith enabled him to interpret dreams on more than one occasion. He dealt in a godly manner with his brothers when he was wronged, when they wronged him. He administered the food relief program fairly without greed. He knew all this was God working out the good in the midst of all the ways the world was bringing about evil and brokenness into his life and the lives that were around him at that time. And here we are in Joseph's deathbed. The end of Genesis 50, it is very clear that this is a man facing death when God's promises seemed very unlikely to be fulfilled in his lifetime. God had promised to him, as well as to Abraham and to his people, more than 200 years before, that they would see the promised land. But here, the descendants living in Egypt, not in the promised land. With Joseph's elevation and leadership, they were actually doing quite well in Egypt up to this point, because actually the enslavement would come following after his death. And they could have just rested there in the success they were having in Egypt. But they're enslaved. The, it would be over 200 years before Moses would lead them out of Egypt. And 40 years after that, before they ever entered into Canaan, into the promised land. So we see here, yet Joseph mentions the exodus for them to take his bones when they leave Egypt. See, Joseph, and we see in Hebrews 11:22, what we're accrediting him to faith is a realization that he trusts in God's promise for the future. He is disassociating himself from all the success he had in Egypt and associating himself with God's people and his God's promises. He didn't want a grand tomb in Egypt and a place where future generations of Egyptians would hail, here's the man that saved the country from ruin. Instead, he wanted a final resting place to be in the land that God promised. This is trusting God's promise and wanting to be satisfied only with God and his desires, 
for the future and for what he wants, what God wants, and not to be satisfied in the blessings in Egypt. So there are two things that I believe God wants us to apply in faith and trusting a God for the future and knowing he intends it for good. The first one is this idea that the best is yet to come. It's an amazing challenge for us to also know that we are called to trust in God's plan and live by trust and faith and trusting God for the future. Not being satisfied in this world, not to find our fulfillment uh, in this world, but to find fulfillment in God and his plans. Joseph had no reason to wish for their future departure, for life was good in Egypt. He had worked hard to make it so. But still, Joseph knew Israel will not only be a small family with Egypt's favor forever. Eventually, 400 years later, they had to depart Egypt, despised because God had grown them into a nation of people. So uh, Joseph's heart was set on the exodus. Though he nor his generation needed it, Joseph believed that day would come. He saw how good they had it, but believed a better day would come. And future generations, when they had it rough, would also need to, be, to believe a better day would come. I read this blog and it said, Joseph's bones preached 400 years. His coffin delivered a one-point sermon and it was with God, better days are always coming. You see, no matter how good things are today, we must believe better days are coming in Christ. Jonathan Edwards concluded his first sermon with the point, and the best things are yet to come. In Christ, we rejoice the best are yet to come. This reminds me so much of Igor and Lena Yemerchuk from Ukraine. We'll be able to hear from them on our mission conference coming up here in October. So we invited them here October 14th through the 16th. So please mark that on your calendar. But they were able to join us a few months ago for a mission meeting through Zoom, and they shared with us how all the conflict in Ukraine and hardship and trial they do trust in better days that are yet to come. Igor's spirit will uplift anyone when he shares how he was able to share Christ with people on a train fleeing Ukraine to Poland. Through all the world brought in evilness to Ukraine, God's intends for good as Igor and Lena were sharing through a feeding program as well as giving supplies to people throughout Ukraine, people are coming to know Christ. We continue to support that work and keep open to all the ways new opportunities will come our way to be used for God and be used by God for his kingdom. As Joseph's story has intertwined into time in jail and the ways he was trusting him in, during that season of his life, it also reminds me of all the prison ministry that we get to engage here at, at Central. I've been so blessed to be part of our jail ministry team that goes into the St. Louis County Jail to teach Bible studies, anger management, fathering, crafts and art. These last two years have been so hard for many in the county jail as it has been a time of isolation, true hardship, delayed answers for their, their, their future. But we've enjoyed the opportunity to share with them the work God wants to do in their lives. Last summer, we were able to start entering back into the county jail and we were seeing so many that were desperate for community, desperate to meet up, desperate to hear from God and his teachings. They knew that the coming to class was a way to get the opportunity to fellowship, learn more about God's plan for them, 
and to receive Christ is the only way that can truly change and transform that work that God was doing inside and out. But we get to point them to better days that are yet to come. That comes from a perspective of letting God do the work that is necessary in each of our lives. That is something for all of us. Let God do that work in each of us that points us to the long game and fully live by faith that sees the ups and downs of life, but the patience it takes to love God and then find restoration in relationships. As I look into the eyes of some of these men that we're teaching, and I'm teaching fathering and anger management, they're so broken by the stories of what their families think of them. They're ashamed and they are finding what's next for them as they're stuck in the county jail. But as they see Jesus and they want to make that change, they know that it's not just an easy linear path. There's so much that God is still teaching them, but it first starts with that brokenness of knowing that they have seen sin in their past and they need Jesus right now. But where Jesus leads them, they're ready for that long game, that long road. It inspires us. It inspires us to know to live by faith means to trust God in that journey, on that path, each step of the way. That's not going to be an easy path. One that's not temporal, but one that will last forever as we walk through the ups and downs with God. One last story through this theme of better days. Last year, we had a missionary couple live in the mission house from Turkey. God really loves kind of connecting and orchestrating things because it's really funny. The couple that was staying in our mission house here came from Turkey and their house was open for a local missionary that we engage with here in St. Louis that does work with refugees through Harvest. Uh, we connect through with Harvest. So they were staying at their place in Turkey while we were hosting this missionary couple here in our mission house. And our mission house has been such a blessing to be able to connect with different missionaries from around the world, including our own, as well as new visitors. And this new couple, as they were coming to visit with us, was sharing that there are 3.6 million Syrian refugees in Turkey. 3.6. And they were telling us that the new mantra in Turkey is we don't want any immigrants anymore. They're draining from the resources, they're draining from the neighborhoods, they're draining from the community, they're draining from their culture there. And from that viewpoint, the Syrians are left hopeless, homeless, without community, without any connection. But the Syrians are finding Christians that are welcoming them as neighbors. They're finding Christians that are loving them as ones that show them dignity and hope a path forward for what God has in store, that there are better days. And these missionaries that were here in the house said the last two years have been really hard, trying to build those relationships, trying to see what God's going to do. But in the past year, God has been exploding the house church in, amongst the Syrians. They got word back as they were in our house of a house that, a church that just started and one that was going to spawn off of that one. And they were so encouraged by that work. And we should also be encouraged by that work. That everything that was intended for evil again, God is doing good. He's doing so much good. He didn't cause the evil. He didn't cause that brokenness. But he's bringing about his goodness because he walks along people. He walks along others that he wants them to see him and know his goodness. So again, all these testimonies are ways we want to make sure people realize the amazing work God is doing 
locally, nationally, and globally, around the world. And we want all of you to be engaged in it. So please come. There are two ways for you to be engaged in missions here at Central. The first one, come to any of our mission meetings. Currently, we're meeting Monday nights on the first of the month on a Monday. But since last week was the 4th of July, we are actually meeting tomorrow. So please join us. 6.30 in our parlor here. You'll hear testimonies from our missionaries. We'll have time of prayer over our missionaries. And we'll see the things that God is doing all around the world. Second way is come be an ambassador for a missionary. You don't have to be on the mission team. You don't have to come and, and, and be part of our Monday night meetings. All we ask is that you connect with a missionary. We have 88 partnerships, locally, nationally, and globally. And what we're doing is we're doing an ambassador program that you get to get a connection with one of our missionaries through Skype, WhatsApp, by phone call, by email, by text. Yeah, it's really interesting. We've seen all these different modes of communication from our ambassadors to the missionaries, but it builds relationship. Our missionaries know that they need support, not just financially, but prayer. Uh, uh, others coming alongside their journey. They, they need that relationship connection. And as you're an ambassador, you bring it back to us as a church so that we can continue to support our missionaries well and advocate for them. So if you want to be part of this ambassador program, please come talk to us as we would love for you to join. We have, since the last year, we established this uh, renewing of this program. We have 35 ambassadors. And God's doing such a great work that he continues to give us numbers. But again, we have 88 missionary partners, so we need more. So please come and join our ambassador program as you get connected with God's work around the world and you can advocate for it here at Central. Our second point is God intends it for good. So as we think we, how we can apply God, we can trust him with our future. First is the best days are yet to come. And the second way is knowing that God intends it for good. The last two years have been very difficult and challenging. With COVID-19, we've experienced something historic and we are still in the midst of it. I don't believe there is more important words to remember than these, that the best days are yet to come, but God intends it for good. God allows this brokenness. God didn't bring this brokenness. Our humanity has brought a lot of our fall and brokenness, but God is working on each of us and continues to show us how all of this is important to see how we cling, hold on to, and, and see how God's helping us grow in the Lord. Although we point to all the heroic things and examples of the good greatness of Joseph, it was a journey. All the unique good that came out of Joseph's struggles were difficulties that humbled that spoiled brat who bragged about his bro to his brothers that they were going to all bow down to him. And how he had a coat that symbolized his father's favor, that he was, God, he was his father's favorite. But this formed him into the leader that the world needed at that time. Millions, and in that time, millions that did not starve to death because of this one man. Especially during those seven years of famine, the world saw a guy who believed in God that most of them had never heard of, but God who interpreted Pharaoh's dreams so that they could know who he was. And also knowing a God that would, you, they could see through this man, Joseph. So how is God forming you through such struggle and hardship? What the world has brought into our lives is evil, destructive, broken. 
How are we seeing God intended for good? We were set up for a historic time again, where again, we see all the brokenness hurt that is around us through loss of life during COVID or a loss of way of life because everything has changed and is different. How is God using these times? I had the privilege to attend our General Assembly at Ward, Michigan for the EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, the very denomination that we are part of and actually with Annie Jumpers helping start. And the EPC has a strong emphasis as a denomination on that E, the evangelism, evangelical. And we don't want to forget the E in our denomination name so that there are many speakers and resources that came for this GA to share with us how we want to focus again and make sure that we are empowered for evangelism. And you'll be hearing that in the upcoming year especially as there are exciting things we want our church to continue to do to stress and emphasize the way that we want to support our whole denomination, but the work that he's already doing and how we want to engage in evangelism. So this is what I want to mention, though, for us, that the gospel work is all around us, and God is ready to use us to meet that need, to reach to our community, to reach to our neighbor, to reach to each other with the power of sharing God's truth and message through the gospel The broken world intended evil through COVID-19, but God intends good because we have seen that we're taking this opportunity to learn how to reconnect with people, reconnect people with God and then with us, that they can grow and, and flourish in a walk being transformed by Jesus. And we learned through the pandemic that people are hurting. People are looking for answers. The church needs to be God's people that share the truth and those answers, but it has to come through humility and the ability to build relationships that builds credibility to share the truth and that answer. And with what God is calling us to do in the 135 mile radius of our church, the near neighbors that we're talking about, it talks about in Acts 1-8 how we will be from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that God is bringing the nations right here. So he's calling us to do it in our own context in Jerusalem and Judea. But he's also calling us to go cross-culturally to Samaria. But he's also calling us to the ends of the earth with the missions work that we're doing around the globe. But in all that, we're called to be his witness. So this evangelism thing isn't just a tool that we're giving you or something you're supposed to do. We're called to be his witness, be followers of God, be people that know what it means to find our full identity in God, to live out what it looks like by faith, trusting in God and his plans, his sovereignty, what he wants from us as his people to share the love and the ability to be God's light for those that are around us. So you'll hear more and more of what that looks like for us as a church to engage in that work of evangelism, to engage in the work, to share with our neighbors, our close people that are around us, but also to engage in those across the the street and across the city. How are we going to share the love of Christ? And we hope to equip the church to engage in that work with loving people well, being good neighbors and learning people's context, to do hospitality and learn to be God's welcoming spirit to the community around us, and to be able to articulate the faith we have in God And share that in a way that is respectful and loving. And here we are in July. And we can do something as a first step. As we, again, I said, in this year to come, you'll hear more and more on how we want to engage in this work. But as we have the brunches, as Matt was saying, is the best thing we have in the yearly calendar. 
is not just for us to reconnect, which is going to be a wonderful fellowship, but invite a friend, invite a neighbor, engage in that work that seems tough to invite them to a warm, welcoming place for food, for fellowship, to break bread together at the table. And it offers an opportunity for us to engage in that work, to build credibility, to build relationship, and then welcome them in to something that we want to share, the answers and the truth that they're looking for. So will you engage in that work together? Will we do that work that God is going to work good for what the world has shown us to be so evil, has brought so much brokenness and so much sin into our lives? So continue to do that as we do that together as a church. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I found this question that I really, again, feel is a perfect way to close the sermon. Where is your faith aimed? Is your faith so focused on today that you need a microscope to see what it is yet you hope for? Or have you lifted your eyes up to the Lord and his promises so that you need faith's telescope to see into eternity? If following Joseph's example, you'll keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, then you will be able to say with Joseph at the end of your days, good, God meant it for good. So I urge each of us to lift our eyes from the things of today, from the immediate circumstance of your life, from the temporary and the momentary issues you face, and look to the Lord who's enthroned in the heavens. It's not easy. It takes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But by the help of the Spirit of God, we can live with our hope fixed on the eternal promises of God and live free of the burden of this moment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this morning that we could open up your word and hear your challenge for us to apply what it looks like to live by faith. And we trust you for the future, but we know that that's not an easy path. So fill us with your Holy Spirit that we live day by day seeing your eternal purposes and that we desire to engage in your work, not our work, and that we're satisfied only in your desires, in your plan, and help us to follow faithfully how you call us to live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.